With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. How was your weekend? Hope it was a good one. If you're a Longhorn fan, it was... Uh... Tenuous, stressful, blood pressure inducing, maybe cardiac inducing, but uh, same time, Longhorns found a way to win it. From a controlled game to a dogfight to looking like you were going to lose the game to winning the game. One of those kind of roller coaster rides for the Longhorns. They've had a couple of those this year uh, against Houston. They won it against Kansas State. They won it, and we'll let you hear the fourth down stop. Uh, against Oklahoma Rod, they lost it. You know, they've been in three of these games now where it's gone to uh, the crazy final seconds, and they found a way to win two of them. They've lost one of them, and that's why they're 8-1 and one right now. Um, Double-digit wins in all the other games that they've won. Mm-hmm. So uh, they are a fourth-quarter team, typically find ways to win. Sark talked about that. Also, Rod, uh, Cowboys and Texans both went to the gun, to the buzzer yesterday and last night. We'll let you hear that. And as far as Ty and I went head-to-head in our college football picks last Friday, Rod, uh, Ty, you went, uh, you got the Arizona game right, but then you lost Notre Dame in Texas. Ooh. And you did not get the over in the Army Air Force game. So you're sitting at one and three with the Jets game tonight, and you have the Jets plus three and a half. You still feeling good about that, T.Y.? Yeah, I'm feeling good about that. The the okay. Do you see what the, the, the situation with the over-under in that Army uh, Air Force game? I did though? not. So it was uh-uh. uh, Army was up 21 to three at half. And, you know, Air yes. Force was 17-point favorites, so there was 24 points scored the whole half to play and uh, neither team scored the entire second half <laughs> I saw that actually I did see that that's pretty funny uh, so you're sitting on a one and three week with one and four staring in your face I hit Oak State Rod I was nice. I took my Gundy oh, as the home dog home dog man I took Washington which hit I took Easy Alabama money. which hit I took the Miami Dolphins plus two and that hurt me uh, but then I took Houston so doing okay mm. doing okay um, so but that Miami game the Dolphins golly uh, that that you just knew when it happened. That fumble for a touchdown at the end of the first half was just that was going to be too much to overcome. I mean, if, if Miami could get back in it, uh, that was that was a critical play. And uh, God, who's the kid out of out of the University of Washington that made that play for them? Trent McDuffie, the corner. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. He's really a good player, man. They drafted him in the first round. He can cover. He can come up and hit. Uh, all those little plays that Miami kills people with. Those little quick screens and the end arounds. They were, you they were know, Steve Spagnuolo's defense was really aggressive on top of those things. And uh, that was, I just thought, I thought both teams were impressive in that game. Uh, that, you know, you kind of think Tua and Patrick Mahomes are going to get this big shootout. Both defenses are pretty good. And now that the uh, Dolphins have Bradley Chubb and Jalen Ramsey back, they're pretty formidable on defense too, Rod. Well, you got Spagnuolo and Vic Fangio. Yeah. I mean, you got two of the better defensive minds in, in the NFL, period facing off there. So I'm not surprised that the defenses are a little bit better than we give them credit for just because there's so much attention to the offense with Patrick Mahomes being as, you know, elite as he has been uh, his early on in his career. But then the Miami Dolphins have the best offense through actually in NFL history through the first like six weeks of the season. A lot of talk, a lot of hype about those offenses and it being like a shootout. Turns out 
defensive game plans were pretty sound yeah. for both of those teams. And they ended up – yeah, Chiefs only scored 14 points because they ended up getting right. the non-offensive touchdown. Yeah, bo- both offenses scored 14, and then that Chiefs defensive score was the difference yeah. in the ballgame. The Chiefs defensive effort, though, way more impressive – to me, going up against that Dolphins offense with the array of weapons they have than the Miami Dolphins defense. It's impressive, but it's, it's easy to defend, easier to defend Kansas City than it has been in, pre, in previous years. They only got Kelsey. They have one of the most underwhelming wide receiving cores in the NFL. I'm still shocked, flabbergasted, that they didn't make a move before the trade deadline for wide receiver. Maybe they tried, just couldn't get anything done. But I think that's their Achilles heel. It'll come back to hunt them. I know they think they can develop those wide receivers into being you know, high-level, productive wide receivers. But the truth is, that is right now the, the tragic flaw for that Kansas City offense is that you can take Kelsey out of the game. If you can take Kelsey out of the game successfully – those wide receivers are not a threat. You can match up with them one-on-one on the outside, and you don't have fear they're going to beat you. Well, and in that game, was crazy, uh, you know, being up early, drinking coffee, watching this game from Germany. But uh, this kind of throws your whole time schedule off for the yeah. time falling back. You're watching this game in the middle of the morning. But, uh, and it was, it was an intense game. Mm-hmm. But uh, how about the Chiefs? I mean, they lost the game to the, to the Broncos last week. And in this game, there was a third and a, and a half a foot and, where they could have kind of iced the game and yeah. not given the ball back to Tua. They, they they threw it. So, A, they didn't take any time off, and instead of trying to do a quarterback sneak or something on the ground to get a foot, they 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 uh, threw the ball. The Dolphins did a good job, covered everything, and ended up having to punt. And then when they punted, Rod, uh, then, then they're also in the fourth quarter, on a Dolphins punt, Miko Hardeman fielded a punt at his one-yard line. Like, who, what is going on over Tell here, Andy Reid? Like, yeah. what are we doing, bro? I was like, it's the wide receivers. <laughs> Come on, Even man. Even their own special teams are making bad plays that are hurting your team. I'll give you a but stat. But they still won because their defense balled out. They're, no, the defense is legit. You give Veach credit for revamping their defense because that was the focus of last year's draft. Remember, even in the uh, the last uh, Super Bowl, they – they started more um, rookies <laughs> in that secondary uh, than any team in the last 20 years uh, going into a Super Bowl. So they started like three rookies in the secondary, yeah. which is crazy. You don't do that. Uh, but here, here's a stat for you. Patrick Mahomes has a completion to at least 10 different players in six games this season. Yeah, That's the most by any quarterback in the Super Bowl era. Guys, we're just halfway through the season, and he's already got – a completion to at least ten different players in six games. That is not that is not a good stat. That is not a favorable stat for the identity of that offense. That means that offense is struggling, and he's struggling to find receivers he can depend on. Yeah, well, he he they went out and scored on their first drive on the scripted plays, went right down the field, and they they only scored one other offensive touchdown the rest of the game against that Dolphins defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Chiefs defense did a great job because uh, it looked like the Dolphins had a chance to go down and, and tie that game, get it to overtime. And the Chiefs defense would not buckle. Pretty impressive. Also impressive, how about the Cowboys? This is really frustrating. Let's hear how this ended, Rod, because if you're a Cowboys fan, you're just – it would be like if the Longhorns had lost the game on Saturday. They won it. But Cowboy fans are thinking, how in the heck – you get the ball. You know, you're, you're down 28-23. You, were, you really have outplayed the Eagles, except for the, fourth, the third quarter where they put up two touchdowns, right? They hit Devontae Smith with a touchdown, hit A.J. Brown. They scored 14 points, and that was really the difference in the game. But, but other than that, you'd outplayed this team. Dak Prescott's playing good. You're, again, not running the ball, but it's got no turnovers. And now you're sitting first and five or first and goal from the five-and-a-half, six-yard line with 27 seconds to go after the Eagles just handed you chunk yards on a pass interference call, then a, a personal foul call, another Eagles penalty, and you're all, all of a sudden you're down to the to six-yard line 
with plenty of time. And all you got to do is punch this thing in, and you're going to win this ball game and get out of there with a huge win on the road against your division rival. How about this? Cowboys go false start. QB snack or sack. Here comes Josh Sweat, who again beats Terrence Steele. Incomplete pass. Delay of game. So now you're backed up to the 20. You're going from the 6 to the 25-yard line. And here's the final play, Rod, as they tried to get C.D. Lamb into the end zone, threw it short of the zone, and he tried to fight his way in. Here's how it sounded. All or nothing. Prescott dancing around. Just good throw in the end zone. It's catches made by Lamb, but he's short. The Eagles will win it. Damn. Rod, from first and goal at the six with Kevin Burkhardt on, on Fox right. yesterday. Okay. <laughs> First and goal at the six, you go penalty, sack, incomplete, penalty, game over. Meltdown. That is not good. No, you're your own worst enemy. And that's – honestly, it's way too familiar for Cowboys fans. Kind of like the Arizona game. Well, that's just how you end – playoff games look like that for the Cowboys too. At the end of some of these playoff games, they look discombobulated, out of sorts, become their own worst enemy. And you pointed out, I mean, the Cowboys, they finished with more yards. Actually, had 114 more yards. Than Eagles, they their defense actually held the Eagles' rushing attack, a really good rushing attack, one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL, top five to three point three yards per carry, and they only had one run of ten plus yards, and the Cowboys held Philadelphia to three, uh, sorry, to four three and outs, including all three of its final drives. Yet the offense couldn't pull its weight. So I'm not saying the defense was perfect in that game, but I thought the defense did enough. Yeah, to give the, the offense did. a chance it did. to win. It did. Well, they had, they had the ball there down there with six minutes to go, and uh, yeah, I mean, this was just a frustrating loss. Now, for the Texans, it was going to be a frustrating loss because after you had taken the lead, when C.J. Stroud threw his fourth touchdown pass of the game to put you up uh, 37 to 31, I believe the score was at the time, 32. Uh, Baker Mayfield took his team right back down the field against your defense. That was frustrating, Rod. If you're a Texans fan like you and I are. Because they had them, they had them third and nineteen at one point. Yep, or third and twenty, and let Baker Mayfield get a pass to. Uh, oh, I saw that it was underneath. It was, like, it, was not, it was like a twenty. Yeah, it was. It was like third and tw- more than twenty. It was a twenty-one yard gain. Yeah, and if you get if I you're Miko Ryan, you right by him, field goal range. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they it was across midfield. So they <laughs> so on third and twenty-three or whatever it yeah. was, they allow a 21, 22 yard completion. So now Baker Mayfield goes for it. And then he runs for the first down. Gets it. Then he takes him down into the end zone. And you're thinking, oh, man, we just let this game get away. Yeah, because they got like, was it 46 seconds 46 left? 46 seconds yeah. left. <laughs> and C.J. Stroud says, okay, don't wow. panic, y'all. And they, by the way, how many timeouts? None. Uh, so we're going to go down this field. This is going to happen. A rookie quarterback. That's amazing. Uh, whose team has rushed for a grand total of 50 yards today. Uh, is going to put this team on his back and go down the field. So here we go. Uh, 46 seconds to go. Um C.J. Stroud, just Dalton Schultz, Schultz for six yards. Actually, no, across the middle, Dalton Schultz for 14 yards. Then across the middle to Dalton Schultz for six yards. Short middle to Noah Brown for 14 yards. Uh, spike to stop the clock. Then 26 yards uh, to Nathaniel Dell on that beautiful, uh, you know, pass t- down the left side. Oh, yeah, that was nice. And then he finds then, – then, he, then here we go. Okay, so now you're sitting at the uh, 15-yard line um, in about five plays. you still got time. There's about 10 seconds to go. Here's how it sounded. Also, I think on Fox might have been CBS. Do we have this for you, T.Y.? And now, can they win it? Trout to the end zone. Touchdown! Tank Dell! C.J. Stroud! And now, to, to the end zone. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I was like, no way that just happened. Yeah, he's... 
Uh, No way we thought C.J. Stroud, even if the people who thought C.J. Stroud was going to be a home run pick for the Texans, nobody had envisioned him being this good. We're talking about potentially the greatest rookie season for a quarterback in the history of the NFL. That's what kind of pace he's on now. If he continues doing what he's doing, he's got the lowest interception rate in NFL history for a rookie quarterback right now, only one interception, so a 0.4% interception rate. And on that in that game, he had a perfect passer rating on first down, perfect passer rating in the second half, and a perfect passer rating on the game-winning drive. Unbelievable. Uh, 40 seconds, and uh, yes. that's one that if you're in He's Tampa, special, you man. can't believe that just happened. You allowed your defense like that to happen. Todd Bowles is going to take a lot of heat for that, but uh, C.J. Stroud shredded him 470 yards. All right, we know how the Longhorn game ended. That one was back and forth. Longhorn's up 27-7 to uh, in the er, middle of the third quarter, feeling really good about themselves after a touchdown, after a, a, a fumble forced by Ethan Burke. Longhorns take a 27-7 lead. But as we said, K-State marched down the field, their first significant real drive of the game, mostly through the air, stick it in the end zone on a, on a play where the Longhorns missed a couple tackles on a 26-yard catch. Should have been a catch for 10 or 15 yards, not a touchdown. Uh, but either way, uh, they get in the end zone. That's how the third quarter ended. Then the first quarter, or the fourth quarter, starts with a Malik Murphy interception that's just one of those, what do you call them, uh, WTF moments, Rod, for a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback, yeah. um, which, by the way, C.J. Stroud has not had many of those WTF no, moments. I don't know if he's had one period, honestly. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, so now you go, okay, there's your fumble, there's your turn. Well, now it's 27-21 because they score right on the next play. A quick strike. Well, then you come back out, and now, okay, now we got to run the ball. So we're going to saddle up Jonathan Brooks, who's going to fight through this ankle injury. And he puts a hell of a run together where he breaks across the first down line. Uh, and, of course, they keep fighting for the ball. Somebody pops it loose. It comes out. Now it's a fumble. Another touchdown. You go yeah. from 27-7 up, Rod, to now tied at 27. And you would have been 28-27, but they botched the extra point on that second, mm-hmm. that third touchdown. So now you're in a dogfight. Your quarterback has lost confidence. How are you going to win this game? Well, we know what happened. The Longhorns went on to win the football game. Uh, they, they, Malik Murphy led them down the field for a field goal drive to take the lead. On that, he, I think he completed six or seven passes. He did. I think he was like five of eight. Five of eight on, on that, that drive. On that drive, somewhere around there. Yeah, so you mixed the pass and the run. You didn't get in the end zone, but you kicked the field goal. Then, of course, K-State inexplicably missed the field goal that would have tied the game. <sighs> Texas goes three and out, punt. Then they come back down, kick the field goal to tie the game. Now we're in overtime. Texas goes three and out and kicks a field goal in the first overtime. Now K-State has the ball, and here they are, Rod. They've moved the ball, you know, one play, 19 yards to Ben Sennett, the H-back, and now you're down inside the red zone. You know, if you're Texas, you think, okay, we're about to lose this game. Uh, Four down stop for the Texas defense. They tried a couple quarterback runs, and then they get to fourth down. I think everybody in the building, and certainly you and I watching, thinking he's going for this. Um, He's going for it on fourth down. I, I was flabbergasted. I'm He's like, not going to kick his field goal and go to the next overtime, extend this game. Instead, he went for it, and here's how that sounded on Saturday about middle of the afternoon. Sometimes I feel like I'm a broken record when I just talk about versatility, uh, resiliency, uh, perseverance. Um, that, you know, that those are those are all – qualities that championship teams have and because they find a way to win uh, different ways and they find a way to win games uh, at critical moments and they can make plays at critical moments and so uh, for our guys today just felt like another example of that um, they just you know as good as we were playing early 
um, our own miscues and, and some forced by them allowed, allowed Kansas State to get back into the game. And I think it tested, uh, it tested us, it tested our resiliency, it tested our, our um, culture to stick together. Um, uh, because in the end, you know, when you, when you, you know, block a punt, they score off of that. When you throw a pick in your own end, they score off of that. When you, when you fumble in your own end, they score off of that. Um, those are, those are moments when, when some teams could break, when the game gets tied, can't get the stop. And, and so uh, through it all, could we play better? You know, could we found a way to, to play better at some key moments? Sure. Um, but we, we played well enough at the most critical moment uh, when the ball's on your own, you know, four or five yard line there for four straight snaps and our defense was able to, uh, to get the stop. So it was a great start to the game. I love the efficiency of which we were playing in, in, in all three phases. Um, unfortunately, we let them back into the game and then we had to, we had to fight like crazy to, uh, to find a way to win. But uh, to, to sit here eight and one sure feels a heck of a lot better that, than sitting here seven and two. And so um, proud of our team. Um, but, but we also know that, that we can improve and we can get better and our best football still out there. Right there, Sark. Amen to that, Coach. Can we play the uh, fourth down stop, which we were going to play ahead of that? Ooh, that is yeah. the uh, Viking fence defensive play of the game. Might be the defensive play of the season, if not for the one Jade Barron made <laughs> down in Houston right. that saved the season potentially. Uh, but here it was on Saturday at DKR. Empty backfield. Howard looking. Howard scrambles. Howard. survives 33 to 30 the final in overtime there it is 33 yeah. 30 the great Gus Johnson with the call um what I love most about that uh you know that play was that Will Howard base, basically implied the coverage and the uh the the alignment of Ryan Watts indicated to him that Texas was supposed to be in man coverage, or he thought Texas was in man coverage. They were not. He was in a press alignment, but as I've said before, he presses, and he'll slough off and play zone. He trusts his um, really kind of his vision at the line of scrimmage, loves to uh, be able to reroute wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. But even when he's playing zone, sometimes he'll play at the line of scrimmage, and then he'll drop back into his zone. Uh, that's one of the times where the freedom that they've given him at that corner spot really helped out because – it was the it was misinformation that was given to Will Howard that oh they're in they're in man coverage so I'll have an easy switch release um, that'll be open and that switch release was not open because he thought he was throwing to Sanat and Sanat ended up being covered by um, my man Ryan Watts on the the, the outside release because they basically play tango one man take outside cut one man take the inside cut this is important because Ryan Watts has has he struggled that game. That was not a great game for Ryan Watts. He gave up that 26-yard touchdown. He probably should have been able to push the guy to bounce and make the tackle. Ended up being a touchdown. Gave up a deep ball also earlier in that game. So he wasn't having a great game. But guess just like we talked about with Texas, Texas has, you know, uh, outstanding football character. They have exceptional team grit, testicular fortitude. That's, that's being able to battle back from adversity. Uh, when you have made a mistake or you have – hurt your team or you had a bad play to be able to bounce back to have that that ability to persevere um to be resilient that's what this team has not a great team very much certainly a flawed team but they have really good football traits 
as a team that really helped them in the fourth quarter. And we were like this too. This team reminds me a lot of the teams that I played on. We were eleven and one uh, on in some seasons, two seasons, my last two seasons in, in two thousand one, two thousand two. Probably should have played four and one championships, but we underachieved to a certain extent. We were a really good team that bounced back and battled adversity really well. Ryan Watts bounced back and was assignment sound in that moment. If he hadn't been, Texas might lose that game, but he was assignment sound because he found a way to battle back and you know overcome those bad plays that he had early in the game. It happened to me in the Oklahoma State game my senior year. I brought this up. I gave up a deep ball. Um, deep ball touchdown earlier in that game, and Coach Akina told me, he's like, I know you're going to make a play in the game. Don't even worry about it. Came back in that game, uh, stopped the two-point conversion uh, that also could have been a go-ahead two-point conversion for him, and then got the game-winning interception later on that game. That, so Coach Akina once told me, was that was the best performance he had ever seen from me and the proudest he had ever been of me because he saw me battle through the adversity and then come back and make plays. That's what you want to see. All your guys are going to make mistakes. You're human. But you got to be able to battle back from that and then be able to make the play. That's what Ryan Watts did. It was a, it was a it, to me. So that's why I watch him all throughout the game, even more proud of his effort in that mindset because I know he was, you know, in a situation where he wasn't having a great game and he probably wasn't really high on his performance so far, still was able to come back and not be distracted in that moment. Yeah, put, put it behind you, uh, short memory, and yep. make a play. Yep. And uh, it certainly helped that team win that football game because if he – you know, doesn't reread that and He's distracted, whatever. So now it's probably wide or, open. Or if he plays off, yeah. say so anybody just plays off and is like, you know what, it's Tango, we'll play off. And he's not focused on the alignment and the assignment and, and trying to throw out kind of misinformation or miscues from Will Howard. Will Howard may have a different read and may see something different and may score. Yeah. Who knows? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, good stuff right there. The chess match within the game, man. It Everybody's is. playing it. Everyone, man. It yeah. went to the wire. And as Sark just said, probably shouldn't have, but uh, our... I mean, the Longhorns chair was plentiful uh, in that game, right? The, and some of it was forced by K-State, but there were some, some unforced errors. Uh, you know, to me, the block punt is an unforced error. That's one you just you missed your assignment. Oh, you got to be sound on that, yeah. uh, especially when you got all the momentum. Uh, the Ooh. Malik Murphy fumble, that's, that's unforced. I mean, that's just a screen pass that you're trying to throw something and just got to eat that ball. I mean, you cannot throw that football. Yeah, young guys don't know how they sometimes taking a they sack. Uh, yeah, throwing it away. It's like, no, no, that's good. Take that's a sack and throw it away. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Yeah. Well, he did the same thing early against BYU where he just threw a ball. He yep. didn't see anything. He just let it go. It's like, oh, that's the one. And he put multiple balls up into peril in that yeah, game that, that didn't get probably caught. Should had, probably should have had four picks, honestly. Yeah, which is concerning. But at the same time, not just those, though, but the ten penalties were critical. I mean, uh, you know, then there was the officiating where the Longhorns didn't get the benefit of some pass interference calls and holdings that I think were there. But in the end, they found a way, and I think your your football character thing is way, through man. the roof. Get away. Get away. Uh, I'd also say coming out of the week of the NFL, Rod, we got to, in college football, it's Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, top of, you know, the five-way tie has been broken. It's now a two-way tie atop the Big 12. It's Texas and OSU. In the NFL, how about this? Baltimore and the Chiefs are now 7-2. and two. Chiefs are right into their bye week. So are the Dolphins and since they're coming home from Germany. Eagles are 8-1. 8-1. and one. Eight and one. How about the teams on their bye week this week? The Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Eagles. 
will all be off this week. This this will be a tough fantasy football week because a lot of fantasy football owners have yeah. a lot of Eagles, they have a lot of Chiefs, and they have yeah. a lot of cow, a, a lot of Dolphins. Um, you got to navigate that this week. Keep that in mm-hmm. mind. But so the, the Eagles, as, as bad as they were at times last night, and as, as winnable as that game was for the Cowboys, just have them sitting there with the best record in football, the only eight and one team at their bye week. That's frustrating for for Cowboys fans because that one felt like it was right there, and now they get to sit, rest, get Jalen Hurts healthy. And um, come out the other side. Jalen Hurts is, I mean, he's been playing injured all year long. I know. And he hadn't looked, you know, really sharp, uh, but he just finds he's a way. He's tough, man. Exactly. <laughs> he finds a way to be at his best in clutch moments. Here's a little stat that's troubling for the Cowboys, though. Oh, this is ugly, too. How about this? Tony Pollard right now has an NFL high 136 consecutive touches without a touchdown. Tony Pollard? Yeah. My fantasy running back. Yeah, yeah, Thanks there you for go. that, Rod. I wanted to give you that one because I know he's on your fantasy Thanks team. Thanks for that. Two but of them. They, 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 they have to find a way to run the football more effectively. I was dead wrong. I thought Pollard was going to be a guy that wins leagues for people. I thought they, I, I, believe Mike, I believe Mike McCarthy. I thought they were going to be a power running team. Oh, he lied to you. Lied. He lied to you. He lied to me. Uh, by the way, as for the Cowboys, they come out of this tough loss with the Giants, who now have Daniel Jones oh, with a significant knee. buster. Carolina. Ooh. Back-to-back slump busters. That's great. Washington. That's a slump buster, too. On Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, they lost so many sacks. You're going to get like eight next So game. you have those three games, right? Giants, Carolina, Washington. You'll likely be eight and three. Then coming out of Thanksgiving, how about this, Rod? Seattle, Philadelphia, oh. Oh. at Buffalo. Damn. Miami. So you could win three straight and lose three straight then. Well, no. <laughs> coming out of Thanksgiving when they get 10 days off after Ooh. playing the Turkey Day game with Washington. Look at, listen to this. Wow. Cowboys will play Seattle, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. In a row. Say that again. Seattle. Wow. Philadelphia. And now give me the at in home and away. If I just say the team, then they're at home. Okay. Seattle at home, Philadelphia at home, at Buffalo, at Miami, home to the Detroit. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you could easily (laughs) – I could easily see you losing three of those five, and you could lose – you can lose four of those five. You can lose all five. Like, like we, the fact <laughs> that you can't run the ball right now and you're going to have to go to Buffalo uh, on December the 17th. Bad weather. December the 17th in Buffalo. And then throw the rock. Basically. Follow that with a trip to Miami to play the Dolphins what where the mean? weather will be nicer, but that's the Dolphins on Christmas Eve. Well, and you would like to have a running game so that you can minimize the amount of possessions Miami is going to get so you ain't got to defend Tua in that passing game the whole game. You, can, you know what I mean? If you can play some ball control, that would be nice. Yeah. On the road? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, it's not optimal that here they are. And I, I believe the reason, I think you just mentioned the Chiefs' fatal flaw. Cowboys' fatal flaw is they have no running game. And that will, over the course of this season, that's mm-hmm. going to get them. And that, that's a, that was a gettable game yesterday. If yeah. you could run the ball from the five-yard line yep, at right. all. And that Arizona loss going to come back to haunt them too in the NFC Yes, now. it will. It's going to come back to haunt them. It gets, it's already coming back a little bit because based on that schedule you just read off, they needed that win. Yes, they, they did. needed that win. That would have been a gimme. Yeah, they're going to get three three gimmies here, and then they've got a, a five-game stretch. It's as tough as any So they're going to get to 12 wins again, aren't they? Twelve, Like 12 to 13 wins again probably. Be close. 12, yeah, they're going to be close. close. But now uh, the Eagles are already sitting at eight. Oh, but the Eagles have a two-and-a-half game lead in the division, so you're not going to catch the Eagles in the division now. Doesn't feel like that's it. Done. That's done. So yeah, that's, you're not ha- that's not happening. All right, we'll come back. When we do, uh, Rod will take us behind the VOC, talking Texas football, more recaps with this stingy rush defense, one of the best performances we've seen in a long, long time uh, by a defense on the 40 acres up front. We'll hit that coming back, plus uh, what's popping before what's the poppin'? end of the hour. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. 
Yeah, appreciate the texts uh, on the text line, 512-447-3776. Uh, we're talking about the Cowboys' five-game stretch through uh, post-Thanksgiving into Christmas. Somebody texted and said the Eagles have a tough stretch, too. And how about this, Rod? Coming out of their bye week at 8-1, the Eagles will play the Chiefs. So the Eagles come out of the bye week playing the Chiefs, who are going to be out of their bye week, at Arrowhead. That's tough against Andy Reid on the off a of bye. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's their open. Then they play Buffalo at home. Buffalo is shown to be beatable, but it'll be in Philadelphia. Yeah. Then they host San Francisco. Ooh. Then they're at Dallas. Okay. Then they're at Seattle. Yeah. So well, that's a five-game stretch. stretch for the Eagles, too, that is really difficult. Yeah, they're going into theirs, though, with one loss, and you going into yours. With, with two. Three. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. think about this. The Eagles with finish. Three. And the Eagles finish <laughs> from Christmas through the new into the new year. Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So they finish with their easy one. Cardinals, Giants, Cardinals. You finish with your tough stretch. They finish with their easy stretch. Yes. So they'll know by the time the playoffs are, you know, coming close, they'll know exactly what they need to do to, you know, make sure that their seeding is – you only got one number one seed. They'll be trying to get it. Right now they, they got it. Yeah. Well, and think about that. From December 3rd where they play San Francisco to then the Dallas game, the Seattle game, those three games are all – obviously the Buchanan City and Buffalo games are sexy, but those are AFC matchups. Uh, the bigger games are in your conference and yeah, in your division. Trying to get the number one seed. Yeah, then your your next three: Dallas, Seattle, the Giants. You, you mean, excuse me, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle. So you got those three games. Two are away, so the Eagles kind of know where they are. Th- their last three games will be against teams that are going to be fighting for that number one pick. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Because if you're that. playing, because now the Giants are going to be without uh, Daniel Jones for the rest of the year. It looks like he suffered a significant knee injury yesterday in Vegas in their loss. So Giants are going to be back to Tyrod Taylor. And they are sinking fast, and or they're sunk, and that. Uh, so yeah, I wonder, this is why your idea about moving the trade deadline back is so important for the NFL the next couple of years. You're right. I mean, think about it now. You're getting more and more injuries. Saquon Barkley conversation in two weeks would be a great conversation for teams to, to have. Great for Saquon Barkley for the month of December. Yeah, and for yeah. like teams like you know what I mean. So I, I'm with you. I think your idea, even now more so than ever, it just seems like the NFL needs to. Move the trade deadline back. Well, I just know in baseball there's a lot of trades, and it's typically two thirds of the way through the season. So you're you know, you're at the end of July. You've got August and September left. That's it. So you've played four months, and then you've got two months left, essentially of your season. Uh, I think the NFL should borrow that, and you know they put theirs right in the middle of the season, which um, it's after like seven or eight games for most teams. They play 17. I mean, yeah. I think it should be after like 10 games. No, it's not long enough. It's yeah. not a long enough period now to judge whether you're 10 or all, 11 you're games. all in or, all, or out. You're, yeah, you're right. sell I, it, buying to sell it. You yeah, know. I think it would be. You'd see more trades and you'd see more impactful moves. And you're right. A guy like Saquon Barkley might be available. A guy Ooh. like Derrick Henry could be traded to help a playoff. That would be fun for the. Not that the NFL needs help with ratings and no, interest. You're Mike Evans of the world. No, you're right. I think they need more time for teams to determine whether we're buying or selling because. Right now, there's some teams that think they're, you know, they still got a shot. Yeah. Maybe we still got a shot. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, one more time before we're done today. We've got five hours in the books at the top of this hour. Let's go behind the burn orange curtain, talk some Texas football. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Okay, so let's talk about the quarterback position for the Longhorns. Let's have um, a hypothetical thought experiment here. Let's say Quinn is not going to be available. Let's say Quinn, they're going to keep him out one more week, one more game. And you're Steve Sarkeesian, and you've watched Malik Murphy two games. Do you consider playing Arch Manning at any point? 
whether you're talking about I'm certain it's going to cross his mind. Or like putting him out there for a series. Like does it because he hadn't played at all yet since, you know, Malik's been the starter. Do you consider it? I think so. I mean, I think at least you got to talk about it in your Sunday meeting and say, where is Arch, where is he? Because now you've seen Malik twice, two weekends ago, get rattled, right? Just get to where he seems yep. discombobulated on the football field and doing things you just can't do. It's just not going to win you football games. Uh, but, again, we don't know where Arch is. I mean, no. we hear Stark talk good about him, but we yeah. don't know where he's at. Um, you know, he could be having the same exact issues if he gets on the field. Well, you just don't know. It's typically the uh, the way of a young quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm with I- – I think you have. To, I think we if we have to have a discussion, obviously, because it's our job. But I think it's a responsible thing for the coaches to also have that conversation because Malik Murphy had the four interceptions in the last two games. But remember, there've been multiple interceptions that have been dropped. So multiple possible interceptions that have been dropped already, and even as concerning as the turnovers, because he's careless with the football. Something he's got to clean up as a young quarterback: the inaccuracy, right? Throwing behind guys. Um, you know, the, the inaccuracy on some of the crossing routes. And then as the the confidence starts to wane after they first pick, you start you start to see the mechanics and the footwork and all of it start to kind of tailspin um, out of control. And I wasn't sure Sark could get him back on track. He, he did make some clutch throws toward the end of the game in the fourth quarter to get Texas in field goal range so that they could put some points on the board. Ultimately, they won the game. But I'm not sure if Sark was able to get him back in the rhythm and back into a groove like he was able to do Quinn Ewers uh, early this year, right? In that Oklahoma game, he was able to do it. And he's done it with Quinn Ewers before, being able to get his young quarterback back on track. But for the most part, I thought Malik was erratic. In that game, for most of the game after the first quarter, after he's off the opening script, after they threw the interception. So let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian. He was um, uh, discussing Malik Murphy and his performance versus K-State. Here's Steve Sarkeesian talking about the young quarterback. I always feel for guys when they're early in their career of playing um, because it was such a good start for him, you know, and he was making some great plays. And there were some things there that, that obviously we felt good about. Um, but I, I think one thing for Malik, and, and I'm, I'm going to have this discussion with him, and that not every play is going to be the play. Yeah, that, that, that it's not always that play that where you make that throw. And you know w- what he hopefully can understand is we're going to be an aggressive play calling team, and he's going to have plenty of opportunities to make throws and to do those things. Um, and sometimes, you know, similar to last week, sometimes your best play is throwing it away, and. Um, we, we haven't got to that point yet uh, with him um, because it's not about talent. It's not about understanding of the scheme. It's, he doesn't have to prove anymore that he has to make a play. Uh, he makes plenty of plays, and, and we see him make those plays. But what I saw out of him today was, again, bouncing back. You know, he had, he had thrown the interception on the screen, backed up, um, and then we, we have the fumble uh, with Jonathan, and inevitably we needed a drive. And he made some really critical throws on that drive to get us down there when we kicked the field goal. You know, had the um, had a couple big throws to AD, had a really nice fourth down conversion to JT Sanders. Um, and really, I, I thought we were he was throwing a touchdown to Xavier on the third down, and we didn't get a holding penalty. We didn't get a pass interference penalty. But, but we're not getting those. So we're not going to complain about that. All right, but but it was the right read, and things were there for him to to make that play. Um, it didn't happen, but he led us on that drive, which I think is big for him from that standpoint. I, I don't know exactly uh, on some of the throws there in overtime, um, but he should feel like he we have the utmost faith in him because because we do. 
Uh, yeah, Sark talking about Malik. Yeah, and it, listen, Sark, he, he doesn't have a reputation for benching a lot of quarterbacks. Um, he usually has a reputation for picking the right quarterback initially, not having to go back and bench quarterbacks. But also, because I, I have pointed this out several times, he is a quarterback himself, former quarterback, and I think he coaches vicariously through his quarterbacks, which is why he'll still throw the football with a young quarterback because he's thinking, what if I was that young quarterback? I want to throw the football. Yeah. And I think that's why he recruits quarterbacks really well. I think that's why he develops quarterbacks really well. But there's a gift and a curse to that. <laughs> and also, I think that's why, you know, to much to the dismay of Longhorn fans, he'll come out there and still throw the football early on with the young quarterback. Even after a young quarterback has struggled and the running game is doing really well, Sark is still thinking, well, what would I want to do if I was a young quarterback out there? I wouldn't want to hand off the football. I want to throw it. Like I said, it helps him recruit quarterbacks, helps him develop quarterbacks, helps him empathize and relate to his QBs. But the only quarterback I remember him benching, I'm sure he's benched quarterbacks in the past, but he benched Hudson Card because the card wasn't his guy. Nope. Keep that in mind. It's easy to bench a guy that ain't your guy, <laughs> right? Uh, and so can he bench his guy when he thinks like a quarterback and he's thinking, would I want to get benched? Or would I want my, quarter, my coach to let me battle through some adverse and growing pains and then let me come out on the other side? The only way out is through. I think Sark's ability to relate to his quarterbacks and coach vicariously through them will probably keep him from making an arch move here. Agreed. That he's going to go with Malik. Now, if Malik throws three, four picks in the first half, yeah. he'd probably go, all right, I got no choice. But right now, it just goes back to what you brought up last year, E, about Hudson Card possibly giving him a better chance to win versus Oklahoma State. And even after the game, he admitted, yeah, probably, but I'm sticking with my guy. Yeah, This is my well, guy. And now a championship's <laughs> on the line. So you wonder, because yeah. Yeah, now you, if, you, if you lose, you could be out of, out of the championship race, which is where you want to be. Uh, we'll see. It's an interesting debate. We'll hear from Sark today at 11 o'clock at the latest on Quinn Ewers. And maybe it's not even a decision at this point, but probably will be. Uh, with Malik Murphy, but you know Malik now has two games of starting experience, two wins under his belt. Uh, kind of feel like that's the go, and you should, I say should, Rod, be able to run the football against TCU. Uh, they are not good on the trenches should. this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you should be able to get after them yeah. uh, running the football. And with your defense and your defensive line, oh. uh, you're going to be able to put this game into Josh Hoover's hands, who's a true freshman quarterback. Um, you know, but he's a, it's a pass-first offense without a doubt. So uh, we'll talk more about it all week long here from Sark today, talking about what the, the week to come is about and where his quarterbacks are. Coming back, though, it's what's popping, including the Longhorn basketball team. Season opener tonight. We'll get a quick preview. Plus, Ty will have a Sex Panther pick of the night. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that flight stocking. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad in the friend zone. What is poppin' on this uh, Monday morning? Wrapping things up. Top of the hour, we'll go off to the Jim Rome Show. Rich Eisen comes. Sports Complex as well with Patrick this afternoon. I'm sure Patrick will have a lot on this uh, Steve Sarkeesian news conference that's coming your way at 11 o'clock or in the 11 o'clock hour at some point. Uh, that'll be coming up, so so we'll have it tomorrow morning, but certainly Patrick will have it 5 to 7 today on the Sports Complex. Also, Longhorn basketball tonight. Uh, hoops at the Moody Center, game one against Incarnate Word, the new-look Longhorns with uh, Rodney Terry at the helm, his first full year, almost uh, took the Longhorns to the Final Four a year ago and comes back with some familiar faces, but also plenty of new faces as they tip off the season tonight against uh, IWC uh, at the Moody Center. So we'll get a first chance to look at this team. And what about uh, Max Asimus? the sharpshooter from Oral Roberts. What about Tyrese Hunter in his uh, another year with Texas after testing the draft waters? He and Dylan Mitchell both put their, you know, floated their name and went through that process and are back. 
looking to improve and get better. So we'll be watching that tonight. Caden Shedrick, a big man from Virginia who's coming in. Uh, Kendall Weaver, another one of those you know, guys coming in. Uh, it's going to be a, a team to get to know. They've got some, some reliable, familiar faces, Rod, with Tyrese and you know, Brock Cunningham and Dylan DeSue when he gets healthy. They'll all be rolling in here. But uh, it'll be fun to watch the Longhorns for the first time tonight while watching Monday Night Football, which happens to be the Jets and the Chargers oh, yeah. from uh, New Jersey. Jets and Jets on primetime so much. They're winning. Just ain't, it ain't pretty. Not the NFL thought it was going to be. How about this, though? Uh, in that game tonight, Incarnate Word, um, t- Incarnate Word apparently has TJ Ford Jr. on this roster. They do. There yeah, we go. got a note on that. Yeah, a little nice little nugget there. Yeah, so, TJ Ford Jr. So TJ Ford will definitely be in the house, but he won't be there necessarily supporting Texas. Yeah, for the first time in his life. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Nick Shuley gave us that little note, I think. Yeah, so good. Thank you, that. Nick. Appreciate that. That'll oh, be and Texas is a 30-point favorite. I guess my, my little handy-dandy thing says 31 and a half now. Okay, so it must have went up then. This was this is like this is like yesterday. 31 and a half. So, yeah. That's a large number. That's a huge number. All right. So, I don't know if they'll cover that, though. Hey, uh, hey, Ty Henderson, our producer. Uh, no, I know what's not popping is your Cowboys. You, you haven't gotten your thoughts on the Cowboys' loss. How, how demoralizing was that for you last night? Uh, I told you I, I don't care anymore. So, I don't care anymore. I He's got it. the Rangers. I, mean, I would have liked I would have liked to see them win, but I I accepted that and it's fine. We're just losing the second round of the playoffs like we do every year. Looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, well, looking forward to it. Oh, come on, man. That was tough. I mean, you know what though? You, you would it would. That last stretch, last six minutes, last two minutes, it was depressing as like if you're rooting for the Cowboys, but it wasn't surprising. You've seen it before. It looks it looked exactly like the end of some of those playoff games. It didn't even Cowboys. flinch. Similar script. It didn't, didn't even flinch. Even flinch. I, but I Dak looked good. He did. I know. Because sure. sure. there were times where you're like, man, they're going to pull this out. And then, oh. So it's, like, they, it's, like, it's like Charlie Byron on the football. They still exactly. They still don't want to give Dak props though. Even when Dak plays well and they lose, Cowboys fans won't acknowledge that at all. Yeah, they don't run the ball. They don't try to run the ball. Tony Pollard's a franchise player who never gets the ball. I'm not a fantasy owner who has Tony Pollard in a couple leagues, but, uh, you know, they could give him the ball every now and again. The offensive line also may be an issue as to why the running game isn't working right now. You talked about it. I guess my thing is I just don't know because they don't try it. I mean, they really don't. When you throw it 45 and um, run it 12 with your running back, you know, that's not – no, that's not trying. You're not emphasizing. It's really not right. trying. No, I agree with that. I don't exa- I don't know why, but I, I I know when before the season started, we all were saying Cowboys should really drop the running back. And in free agency, I remember everybody saying Cowboys should really try to go after a, court, a running back in free agency. And before the trade deadline, everybody kept saying Cowboys should really go after a running back before the trade deadline, and they never did anything. Well, and, and if that and if that's the re- if the reason they don't run the ball is that Tony Pollard isn't all the way healthy and he's not the same player. Now that he's gotten the, the guaranteed money, I don't know. He just doesn't look the same, but they don't even try it enough to even really know. But at the same time, that would be back-to-back years where you, as you said, went on hope. Yeah. Miscalculated <laughs> on hope. Mm-hmm. But last year it was that Michael Gallup would be healthy and he'd be a good enough compliment to C.D. Lamb, and he wasn't. Nope. And now your entire running game and your lack of it might be based on the fact that you didn't add. And Remember all the talk that they wanted B. John Robinson in the draft to be felt on? Like they really were looking for a running And they liked Rojo a lot. And they didn't take one. And they didn't, take, and they didn't sign one. They, they, they the didn't end, trade remember? for one. They could have traded for Derrick Henry last week, for crying out loud, if they, gave yeah. a, if they really wanted to make it a point. Can you imagine the difference having Derrick Henry in that game the other night, the last night would have made, could have made? Been a huge a couple difference. carries from the, from yeah. the three? No, you're right. Made a big um, difference. 250 pounds. Uh, one other what's popping. And then we got to get Ty's pick. Ty, do you see? How about the parade and celebration on Friday for the Rangers? That was a lot of fun. No Creed. 
Yeah, I never Creed. saw Creed. God, come on. Fail. Fail on the Rangers part. Fail for Arlington, the city, and fail for the publicist of Creed, the band. Number one is Creed's publicist. Failed. Fail. Because uh, I'm assuming the Rangers tried. Maybe they got a, they got they offered. They wanted too much. They probably did. <laughs> what they had there? Did you ever see an estimate of how many people came to that there, Ty? 700,000. Oh, 700,000. And did you see the report over the weekend? John Heyman, the uh, MLB insider, yeah. predicts the Rangers to be the landing spot for one Shohei Otani. Oh, no. And no. Josh, and Josh Hader is from what I'm hearing, too. No. Most people are assuming the Dodgers are going to get Shohei. No. But I remember last during the right up to the trade deadline, I was calling the Rangers in the mix for this for trading for him because I felt like it just makes sense. Astros, don't uh, let this happen. I know. Do not let this happen. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't put. I mean, oh it, it, no, that that offense was already really good. We don't need Shohei in the middle of it. Boy, then he could pitch periodically. A year, year from now, situationally, whenever you need him. Oh uh, no, hell no. Yeah, no. that that would take this no. thing to a whole new level. No, that's popping. Ty, Ty, do you have a pick of the night? Not Let's stick with the Jets plus three and a half. Jets plus three and a half. That's one of your pick fives from Friday. It's Jets, Jets, Jets. With uh, Zach Wilson, Robert Sala, great defense. Garrett Wilson tonight. Reese Hall, we'll get a look at that. And of course, the Chargers, pretty clear that uh, Brandon Staley will screw it up somehow. <laughs> Their head coach. <laughs> hey, Rod, have a good one, buddy. You too, brother. Hey, everybody, have a great Monday. Sark's coming up. Uh, we've also got Jim Rome. Rich Eisen rolling on. We'll see you bright and early, uh, 6 a.m. tomorrow on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.